1: Good morning, Bucknutters! Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning Five here on Wednesday, December second, twenty twenty. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Matt Baxendale. A tremendous amount of information to get into on today's show. Let's start right at the top with the Buckeyes retaining their number four spot in the college football playoff rankings. Backs, I wasn't surprised, but you never know because there's a lot of analysts predicting they could drop. Your thoughts on the Buckeyes staying at number four?
0: I'm not surprised. Uh, If anybody watched Texas A&M play LSU this weekend, they were the team that would have been the one to move into that spot, and they were beyond unimpressive to me. Uh, I think watching Aggie versus OSU, you have to think OSU would be a double-digit favorite uh, if they ever got on the field. So I'm not surprised. I think people want to do all this chit-chat about how OSU hasn't played as many games right now, but the truth is there's not like a viable alternative that's sitting there forcing their way into the top four always use it four because everybody knows they're one of the best teams and it's kind of that simple. So I, I think right now they're at four. That's good. We need to get a couple more games and that seems to be the general consensus is they don't really care who we play as long as we play a couple more just so they see some games. Uh, I'd very much like to get Sparty. And then of course the game in the way it is, but uh, you know, as long as they play their two, their games and they win them, the Ohio State's in the playoffs. That's the bottom line. I don't think there's anything else to get really too worked up about right now.
1: Oh yeah, if they're seven and zero as Big Ten champ, they're in. I even think they're in for sure. And I know you know I see people on ESPN disagreeing with this, but I'm pretty confident if they're sitting there at six and zero. If they just get one of these last two regular season games in, and then play Wisconsin, if they can't go to the Big Ten championship game, if they don't change the rule, and they're sitting there at six and zero, I think Ohio State's a lock. And furthermore, I've had people talk me into this backs for a while. I was saying, Ohio, you know, they're not going to change the rule, the six game minimum rule to help Ohio state out. But I think the TV pressure is going to be too much from Fox to say, really, you're going to send Indiana to the big tension. We're going to have Indiana Northwestern. Like, no, no, you need to change this Ohio state beat Indiana and we need some eyeballs on this game. You know, Ohio state, Wisconsin, the TV ratings for that game would blow Northwestern Indiana out of the water. So I do think that they would change the six-game rule now that I think about it. Uh, I've had like, people I trust talk me into that one. A lot to unpack there. What are your thoughts?
0: Well, I agree. I've been saying that from the start. Uh, they're not going to want to have Indiana, especially with Michael Panics Jr. now with uh, torn ACL. The reality is Indiana could lose a couple games here and it could be Maryland with multiple losses playing Northwestern. They don't want any of that. Right, That is, that is literally a, a, a serving of disaster sauce if they give that to them. So the reality is Ohio State has to be the championship game. They're the best team in the league. Everybody knows it's Ohio State. And Ohio State flat out has beaten the one team closest to them. So I think we're at a spot right now where they're going to have to adjust the rule. And maybe they just say, hey, if OSU has five games that they've played, then we list one of them as a quote-unquote loss it doesn't make a difference they're still in first place right so uh, i i don't know how they do it i mean it it doesn't really matter there's not going to be an actual loss shown if they do that right so i I think the, the bottom line is ohio state is gonna find a way to get there and here's the other kicker they get michigan state in this weekend and michigan pulls a herb street which is hilarious that herbie spent last night's selection show calling them out about this i was just about um, to ask
1: I, I was just about to ask you about this so i'm glad you're, you're touching on this go ahead i found i found the herbie thing hilarious go back. i think it's at
0: the best thing he's done from an ohio state point of view in years um so like let, let's say that michigan does pull that though let me finish that first point let's say they decide they don't want to play right well nebraska's sitting there waiting for an opportunity to play because it looks like Minnesota season's over with a massive outbreak inside the program. So if we have to play Nebraska twice, well, I'm sorry, Nebraska, that really sucks, but we will to make sure we get into the big 10 championship. Now the Herbie thing, the Herbie thing is the greatest thing he has done in, in years. He's literally on TV. Like, you know, Michigan's waving the white flag. They don't want to play. Yeah, right. Like, he didn't – he absolutely meant what he said. He, he, he Ignore that apology afterwards. You know he was going to have to do that. The reason he did this was because he went on national TV and essentially called them on the mat, right, and said, you guys are not going to do this because everybody's going to be watching you now to see if you really are going to actually try this. They can't just get away with, you know, people believing in their better angels now that a national TV analyst has called them out and said, hey, so literally every fan on your message board wants you to do this because they don't want to get decked by Ohio State. By the way, it's not just Michigan that he's hearing is doing this, which is hilarious on its own front because, you know, there's other schools that are doing it. And I I, I very much wonder who he's talking about. But the reality is this almost makes it impossible for them to call COVID if there isn't a legit major COVID problem. And I think it was just – it it seemed almost calculated, and I love it.
1: And Joel – Joel Klatt helped him out. Joel Klatt tweeted out there, or maybe he said it. I'll have to go back and look. But Joel Klatt last night either said it on a show, or I believe he tweeted it saying, No, I'm also hearing that there are schools that are canceling games out of just fear of getting their butt kicked and using using COVID as an excuse. So I'm with you, man. I mean, yeah, and what he said initially was the truth, and then he had the you know, the uh. The hostage tape after that, where he had he had the ESPN brass come down on him, and he had to have the fake apology. But, yeah, I, I, uh, I give Herb Street credit for that. That really puts Michigan under pressure. All right, um, Ohio State at Michigan State. Ohio State 22-and-a-half-point favorites. We'll break down that game. But the really good news is the Buckeyes returned to practice yesterday. Facts, I, I knew that was best-case scenario. They weren't going to do anything so, uh, Monday. Worst-case scenario, but still getting the game in. Would have been practice Thursday, walk through Friday, and that's it. And then you just go play the game. They were able to practice yesterday. I was hoping today would be the day. I thought today might be the earliest day they would get back. So that to me backs, that isn't just that isn't just good news. That's fantastic news that they were able to return to the practice field yesterday. Delve into that and also your thoughts on Buckeyes against the Spartans this Saturday.
0: Yeah, the fact that they practiced yesterday is massively important. Uh, I think you're looking at a scenario now where I'd be surprised if they didn't play. Now, I hope that's not famous last words and jinxing it, but the reality is they didn't have any positive tests over the weekend from what we understand. And the reason they let all these guys in the field was because they essentially cleared them through contact tracing. So maybe this is a limited outbreak and their shutdown that they put in place was a really good idea to try to stop this spread. And you know, that's, that's the reality here is, is they're going to get three practices in this week. They're going to be able to install a full game plan. They're going to be able to do all that. They're essentially going to have a normal week of preparation for the Michigan State game. And that's all you really could hope for in a normal setting in time, much less where we're sitting at right now with this damn pandemic. So I think from an Ohio State point of view, this is fantastic. Uh, right now, I think Ohio State's going to play. And again, we've we've thought that before but i'm i'm optimistic right now because of how quickly they were able to get cleared to do team activities again and i, I think that's a really good thing uh i also think it's a really good thing because i don't think michigan state has much of a prayer against ohio state they've got a couple pieces on defense that are pretty decent they've got some good no, uh, d tackles so you know let's run to the off tackle play a little bit more but the reality is they're, they're a rebuilding team they are a team that The Northwestern upset, look, the reason they beat Northwestern is because Pat Fitzgerald felt bad that he couldn't lose to a MAC team like usual this year before going on a run. So he had to find the next best thing. That's (laughs) Michigan State. And the the bottom line is Michigan State's a rebuilding program right now. Ohio State is the better football team. Michigan State does not have an answer for Ohio State's offense. You know Justin Fields is going to come back in with a much better uh, sense of not trying to go for the home run every time in his passing decisions. And I really think Ohio State's by far the better team. They're going to be the winner of this game. I think everybody knows it. And Michigan State may come out and play hard, which they've been doing all year for Mel Tucker, which is a credit to him. But at the end of the day, Ohio State's just the better team. I mean, and I don't know if there's like – it's even really close enough that you can come up with scenarios where things go wrong enough for Sparty to win this game. Ohio State's the better team. And Sparty objectively is – it's crazy because they beat Michigan and they, they beat Northwestern, but they've lost to Rutgers. You know what I mean? Objectively speaking, they may be the worst team in the league, but hey, here we are with them with having two wins that surprised the heck out of me. Ohio State is not going to give them a third surprising win against one of the, quote, bigger name teams in the league.
1: It's going to be a fun day of sports and coverage on Bucknuts. Let's get to this first at noon, right around noon. We've been told we're going to interview an Ohio State coach. They didn't say it's Larry Johnson, but I would bet heavily it'll be Larry Johnson. And it's too bad we're not going to have Ryan Day be the head coach this Saturday um, in East Lansing. He would be back for the Michigan game, so that's good. Um, But the silver lining here is Larry Johnson is going to get a chance to be the interim head coach. He was supposed to be the interim head coach last week at Illinois before that got called off. And he will become the first ever black head coach in Ohio State football history. And he's just a great guy like an absolute and I think I know you know this backs and I'm sure 99% of the listeners if not 100% know this but I just want to stress that Larry Johnson is salt of the earth and it's real he is just that grandfatherly type that he doesn't yell at the players but I've talked to many of his defensive linemen over the years they all say the same thing they said the worst thing that can happen is coach Jay getting disappointed in you if he kind of shakes his head and just says he's disappointed in you that's the worst feeling in the world so he just even though he doesn't yell he never curses he just has the utmost respect of everybody in that program especially the defensive lineman so i'm expecting gonna get a chance to interview larry johnson today at noon so look for that buck nutters and then backs so we have the very rare 340 NFL game today on CBS Ravens at Steelers are finally going to get played your Steelers 340 p.m. today and then at 5 p.m. Ohio State basketball with the rare kind of very early evening game 5 p.m. Buckeyes against Moorhead State it'll be at the Covelli Center the brand new uh, arena there uh, on campus you know they do stuff with wrestling some hockey is played there even though hockey still is mostly played at the shot volleyball, stuff like that. But the, the basketball team is going to play there for the second time in a row. That'll be on Big Ten Network. Ohio State is ranked number 23 in the country. I love it, man. Give me all the sports you can get. But, uh, I, you know, right now, I just can't wait to interview Larry Johnson. That's the next thing on my ledger. facts it's going to be a fun day, my man.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting day for sure. And I think not enough can be said about the fact that Larry Johnson is becoming the, the first black man to be the head coach of the OSU football team, even if it's just for a game. Um, you know, Ohio State's always been at the forefront of sort of breaking down racial barriers all the way going back to the days of Willis. Uh, whenever he was one of the first black athletes allowed to play D1 football anywhere, Ohio State was integrated decades before schools down south were um, in terms of the way that they treated their program. Uh, they all, they've been at the forefront of, of hiring African-Americans as assistant coaches. So, you know, it, I think it's just circumstances. The only reason something like this hasn't happened already. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, and by the way, it's another former OSU assistant is another black man on the other sideline that we're having this weekend between OSU and Michigan state. So this is a, this is a, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you don't, you don't change who your coaches are just to try to reach this end point. But if you do all the right things leading up to it, this sort of diversity and inclusion that you see in the coaching situations of this weekend's game is sort of the ideal result that you see is that people are getting opportunities. And a guy like Larry Johnson, who's universally beloved and has been working for years for an opportunity like this. You know, I, he's a guy who I think a lot of people are, are, if you look at him, he's always been known as the position coach, right? And he's never really even known as the coordinator type, right? Because he's just such a good D-line coach. First at Penn State, now here. So him getting this opportunity, I think is more than well-deserved. Uh, I, I, I think it's, it's something where he's also going to like, the, this is just like when Ryan day was made the, the interim coach a couple of years ago, you had Kevin Wilson there. Who's been a head coach at a program and could have perfectly fine done it, but there was a reason that somebody else was put in charge. Right. And with Ryan day, it was, well, this guy's obviously the, the guy who's going to take the program over. And then this week it's look, Larry Johnson's a guy who's, who's built up enough equity over the course of his career that he long since deserved something like this. So that's fantastic for him. And I think it's something we can't talk enough about. Um, now that we've talked about something great like that, we can talk about the Ravens-Steelers game, which is not great. Um, this is another example of a hardball pissing and moaning his way into getting what he wants. Uh, the reality is this game should have been played Thursday. It wasn't. Then they pushed it to Sunday, and it should have been played then. But unlike the Broncos, who didn't even get an extra day to get a real quarterback available, the Ravens decided to unilaterally closed their facility try to delay the game to try to make it not happen on Monday. And then they threw a fit about it happening on Tuesday, even though they had no new positive tests. The reality is Baltimore has been trying to angle to get this game played as late as possible. Their end goal was really to get it to week 18, because Baltimore knows if you get to week 18 by NFL rule this year, they become eight playoff teams instead of seven playoff teams. And that for them was their goal was to try to get this as late as possible to try to give themselves an extra opportunity to the playoffs. So I'm glad that didn't happen. But the fact that the NFL bent over backwards for Baltimore repeatedly here when they should have forfeited, frankly, by now, if they weren't willing to play uh, and made Pittsburgh's schedule get changed up and but didn't do the same for the 49ers, didn't do the same for uh, you know the Broncos. And there's direct evidence of this being just negligence, allowing this outbreak happening on their side, their facility, just like with the Titans, which were supposed to be the result of a massive, massive penalty from the NFL. The next time something like that happened is a joke to me. This game being played at 3:40 because they want to show a Christmas tree lighting midweek. Like, I'm glad we have NFL football on a Wednesday. That, that's that's fun. I'm certainly going to watch because go Steelers. But at the end of the day, this is idiotic that one of the Harbaugh brothers is able to get away with this kind of crap. Um, and it's it's the exact kind of COVID strategy that we're hoping Michigan doesn't pull with Ohio State coming from Michigan's head coach's brother. So needless to say, I'm kind of disgusted by it. Um, and I hope the Steelers knock their teeth in because Baltimore does not deserve any way, shape or form of benefit of doubt right now in my mind. Uh, finally go bucks at basketball. They had a great sort of, uh, gutsy win. They showed some real grit coming back with UMass Lowell last game, being ahead of them and really not backing off. And, you know, that's a Lowell team that already had one upset early in the year. So the hoops team kind of showed some character the last game and I'm interested to see them build upon it. Um, and I, I think this is something we're going to see for Chris Holtman's teams is that they should be continuing to take steps every year. And, you know, it looks like Ohio State is another pretty darn good team this year. So, Cavelli Center, or the shot, or, you know, a playground outside, if the weather permits. I don't care where they play. They're,
1: they're a good team, and I'm excited to see them too. Great stuff from Matt Baxendell, People's Champ. You can catch his column every Sunday on Bucknuts. It is the Bucket of Bullets. Thanks again to Bax, and thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning to the show. Have a great day, Bucknutters.